Welcome to episode 69 of the Swamp Flicks podcast. Nice. 69. <laughs> <laughs> this is the podcast version of the movie review website Swamp Flicks. We are recording in Pigeontown, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. My name is Brandon Lede. I'm Brittany Lombas. Brittany? Yes. What have you been watching lately? I recently watched this movie called The Neon Maniacs. Never heard of it. Doesn't it sound very cool, though? Yeah. That's why I clicked on it to watch it, because it sounded amazing. Um, it's from 1986, and it's one of those like really low-budget movies with horrible lighting, where it's so black that you can barely like tell like what's a human being and what isn't. That's really disappointing, considering that neon is in the title. You would think it would be all brightly, colorfully lit. Yeah, unfortunately, it wasn't. The movie's about a group of maniacs, <laughs> evil maniacs, um, that live under the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. Well, they're pretty much like monsters, though. Like, there's four of them. One of them has this, like, demon face and dresses up like a samurai. The other one has this, like, gargoyle face and is kind of dressed up like a surgeon. And <laughs> there's another one who has, like, this sort of... I think he kind of looks like reptile-like, but still very, like, like just kind of like a demon, smushy face kind of guy, dressed up like a Native American. And the other neon maniac is like a caveman, just this guy, like, covered in, like, white hair that kind of looks like a cyclops without, like, what, but he has, like, two eyes, but he has, like, that cyclops weird kind of doughy body. This is like village people and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Ooh, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, so it's, like, sounds so freaking cool, right? And they're all on the cover for this movie. I'm like, this looks amazing. Especially the, the gargoyle face one that's also a surgeon is probably my favorite. I think he, like, has the coolest kind of look. So, yeah, well, they are basically just this group of monsters and they come out at night out from under the Golden Gate Bridge and they, like, just wreak havoc on San Francisco. And one night they come out and there's a group of teenagers that are partying out in the park at night and um, they attack them. But it's, like, the coolest kills. Like, one girl is, like, giving some guy head and they behead her in the process. No. <laughs> Uh, and they just like fucking slaughter and it's like you i mean broken bones are like breaking going through the skin i mean like really gross special effects which is pretty neat and there's a survivor like this one girl survives and she reports what happened to the police and they don't believe her because there's no bodies there's no evidence there's nothing um so she's like everyone thinks she's going crazy and she knows what really happened to all these people that died and she's like holding out. So she's kind of going through hell in high school and all this kind of stuff. And then the police, like when they go out to the scene, like they don't really find evidence, but they just find piles of like neon slime everywhere. Nice. You ever see street trash? No. I can't remember what the genre is called, but it's something like melt horror. But it's yeah. like people like the bodies just <laughs> melt horror. Yeah, that's a thing. They just like turn into like colorful goo. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess, like, this would be considered melt horror because they, I mean, spoiler alert, the way you kill them is you throw water on them and they melt like a witch. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, that part sounds cool. It's pretty neat. And they, and they have that, yeah, like, that melty kind of, like, gooey skin, devil's rain thing going on whenever they die, which is pretty neat. But what happens is there's, like, um, a film nerd in high school who's, like, this girl who wears, like, a baseball cap and is, like, obsessed with horror movies and she tries to make her own. She's, like, really into film and stuff. Uh, and she overhears, like, I think, I forget who's talking about, like, the, the puddles of slime. So she's like, oh, cool. And she actually helps the popular girl who was 
the surviving victim find out who the neon maniacs are and how to kill them there's it's this very very cool concept and the monsters are very cool the i mean the effects are great but it's like they spend too much time following this boring chick around high school instead of focusing on like the maniacs like it's probably a lot cheaper to film i'm guessing i guess so it, yeah. it's like they probably spent all their budget on the maniacs but it's like why you know this how did this foursome of just insanity end up under the golden gate bridge like that question is never fucking answered and it's just i don't know it's just like these are the most some of the most bizarre like monsters i've seen in movies and they have absolutely no background story so there's like a lot of potential i think that was missed in that regard something else i forgot to mention that was in the film i'm talking about how like how shitty it is but there's a scene where surviving chick is in her swimming pool because that's what you do, I guess, after you you have, like, a stressful situation like that. You throw a bikini on, <laughs> you go in your swimming pool, you float around. You and you just stuff. like yeah. yeah, shutting your stuff and just de-stressing. And she's, like, haunted by the, the maniacs. And then it starts to rain. And then it's raining blood. So then she's just, like, covered in blood and, like, swimming in this pool of blood. Trying to get out and it's just, like, blood everywhere. So that was a pretty, pretty dope scene. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, yeah, like, this movie has, like, so much cool shit in it, but it has just, like, a really, like, flat plot line. Where would you watch that again? I watched it on, so, uh, 2B TV has um, all of the, I think it's Shout Factory movies. Oh, nice. And, I mean, there's hundreds of them. So, they have, like, commercials on 2B TV, but they have a lot of good stuff Yeah, it's commercials, but, I mean, I can deal with, like, two 30-second commercials and then, like, watch, like, a cool movie. Amazon Prime has a lot of good trash like that. Oh, really? A lot of good genre trash from that era mm, right now. Love that. This was, yeah, this was such a trash movie that was just fun to like watch on like a Friday night. You'd recommend it overall? I would. I rec- I totally recommend it. Like at least just to see the maniacs yeah, and how cool they are. I'm very curious about that. But yeah, so this movie apparently was like shelved for a couple of years. Like it was actually made in 1984, shelved, and it was released into like a handful of theaters in 1986. And then it went straight to video. So it's just kind of like a shame because there, I think there's like shittier movies that were made around that time that got like a lot more attention than this movie. Yeah. And it's equally shitty. So why not? That happened with society too. It like got shelved yeah. for like two years. Oh, society's great. Yeah. Ugh. It's a bummer. Yeah. Also another like gooey, um, what do you call it? Melting horror? I think it's called melt horror. I, I, <laughs> melt horror? I probably am not remembering the exact term. This is opening my mind. I feel mind. like I have to Google it now. Yeah. Please. I'm looking at uh, the Wikipedia for street trash right now. The term is melt movies. So, ooh, is it highlighted in blue so I can like look at all the melt movies? I would like to. There's a footnote, so I'm sure it links oh, to something. Oh, cool! I would like to challenge myself because I really enjoy like melting bodies and faces and stuff. I wish I liked street trash more than I did. It's got like a lot of like cool effects like the body's melting is really cool but cool. it's also got a lot of sexual assault stuff that's like really gross and kind of drags it down lame and you know the same thing as uh neon maniacs like yeah a lot of the core point of it is like aren't hobos disgusting and terrifying which you know <laughs> it's kind of like a funny reflection of the times but also like kind of like a gross thing to participate in yeah. at the same time like ho- hoboys criminalizing like homeless people yeah yeah cool cool <laughs> yeah God. way to punch up you know <laughs> God, what a shitty society we lived in. <laughs> and, and we still, we still live, live in. in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so 
So, yeah, I think by far of, um, I always like, you know, watch, a, I'll probably watch like maybe like a movie a day or every other day, um, whether it's half-assed or something. But I think this one like kind of stands out the most lately. It's a great title. It's, yeah, it's so cool. Neon and it has Maniacs. like that cool, like, like that music where it feels like you're in like a shopping mall and a nail salon in the 80s. <laughs> like that's what it sounds like. It's so funny. Cause like it's, Muzak. Yeah, Muzak. Like elevator music kind of. Yes, like the (laughs) feels so relaxed. Yeah, exactly. But it's like this terrifying movie. That's probably the coolest thing I've watched lately. Um, And more so, a few days ago, I watched this movie called Wonderwall um, from 1968. Pretty much, like the only thing I found, like after I like did a little research on it, is like, oh, George Harrison did the soundtrack. George Harrison did the soundtrack. So the main selling point of this movie is, hey. George Harrison did the soundtrack. Probably as a favor to a buddy or something. And, you know, that's the only cool thing about this movie. It was just like a piece of like pretentious hippie garbage. It's about this sort of crazy, like mad professor who lives in this apartment. And then one day he finds a peephole and he starts he starts watching his neighbor who's this like young, beautiful, like hippie model chick played by... um. Jane Birkin. So she's played in like a couple of cool, like artsy fartsy movies in the late sixties. So he starts like, it's like a peeping Tom movie, which I always feel uncomfortable like watching those. And it's disappointing because it is not a horror movie at all, but it sounds like it should be. So he like just starts watching his neighbor through the peephole, like hanging out with her cool friends and like doing her cool hippie dances. And she's like naked on her silk sheets and shit. And he starts to make more holes in his wall (laughs) to watch her more. It's just, it's very uncomfortable. But then he starts like having these fantasies um, where like she, her boyfriend's a photographer who also lives in the apartment with her. And he starts to fantasize about like fighting her boyfriend and winning her love. But he's like this 70 year old like dude. And she's like probably 18 or something like that. Yeah. Pretty sick. Right. Very gross. Um, But there are some interesting, like, film effects, I guess. Like, there's one scene where um, he has, like, a butterfly collection in, like, a glass case and it shatters. And then there's a bunch of, like, animated butterflies that start flying on the screen. Oh, cool. Which is kind of neat. Yeah. And whenever he has his, like, fantasies where he's, like, fighting her boyfriend, it's weird. It's, like, they're by this, like, castle and he charges the boyfriend with like a giant lipstick tube and tries to stab him. It's like just weird stuff like that. So it's like kind of this like surrealist um, or it, an attempt at a surrealist film. Yeah. Um, but with like that stony baloney 70s pacing that just like drags on. Yeah. Like it was it's I guess it's worth watching for like kind of the cool little wacky scenes. But this is definitely a movie to like put on in the background when you're trying to like do something else, because there is no point whatsoever in attempting to pay attention to like the plot and trying to understand what's happening. Cause it's just so boring and it's just, I mean, it sounds like useless. most of the plot is just like, there's a hot lady that all these dudes want to look at. Yeah. It's just this one weird old man. Yeah. It's just very gross. Um, but yeah, so that's pretty much the two like standouts of what I've been watching lately. Um, what have you been up to? I've been to the theater three times since the last time I recorded with James a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago. So I guess I should just run through those. Yeah. Um, I saw Suspiria, the Luca oh. Guadagnino remake. 
How cool was it? Uh, I liked it. Okay. Um, I heard mixed reviews. This is his follow up to Call Me by Your Name, which I similarly liked. Loved less than that movie. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Loved it. Uh, it. It was good though. I liked this one just as much. Like, what is weird about it is that you know the Argento Suspiria has a very distinct sense of style, mm-hmm. where it's like the neon lighting, peacocks from like Jalo <laughs> and like yeah. the uh, just whispering winds attacking people and like mirrors and barbed wire coming out of nowhere because it's like uh about a ballet school that's run by witches so like witchcraft is just sort of in the air and like murdering people right and it's not much of a mystery in that one like in the first scene i think there's someone fleeing the school and goblin whispers over the soundtrack witch 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 (laughs) (laughs) so they just kind of like spoil the mystery of like what's behind the school and oh, Guad- that's Guad- really stupid. Well, in the in the first one, in the seventies one, does uh, it? Yeah. Why don't I remember this? Listen to the soundtrack. Like in the early scene where she's like running through the woods, Goblin's like whispering the word "witch" a bunch of times. Uh, the sa- the prog the- band that did the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, in this one, it's similar. Like the first scene, Chloe Grace Moretz is playing that escaped student, and she says to her psychiatrist, who is uh, Tilda Swinton cast as a man oh she is like the chameleon like the human chameleon of our generation i love a good tilda swinton stunt casting she could do anything yeah i love her last episode we reviewed constantine where she plays like a uh she plays like an angel fallen from heaven and she's like gender blind cast on that one as well sweet i love that norlando is a classic so in the first scene tilda swinton's like the psychiatrist and chloe gers moretz is that escaped student she says they're witches. They're going to kill me. It, she actually says much more vulgar things than that. Um, so there's no mystery there either. Like his movie is about a coven of witches the same way that the first one is. Yeah. The dance Academy is a little different. It's modern dance instead of ballet. Oh, cool. The color palette <laughs> is very different. Like the neon colors are all gone. It actually has the kind of gray concrete look of possession. Do you oh. know that Sam Neill movie? This one's similarly set at like the Berlin Wall in like the late 70s as well so everything looks different but the idea that guadagnino picks up from argento movies is just excess like he just throws so much stuff at the screen and like so many ideas and pulls from the narrative of the first movie and like sprawls all this mythology out that like argento didn't even really get into until the sequels yeah and it's just like a really overwhelming experience and it got to the point where it was less that I didn't like the movie. It was more like there was so much on the screen that was sort of nitpicking. Like, oh, I like that idea. Uh, I don't like that one as much. It didn't really have like a, a cohesive tone to it the way that um, Argento's films do. Like where it all has like one look consistently mm-hmm. throughout. Um, Guadagnino's movie has like just so many different elements at play where like I loved Tilda Swinton's casting. She's in three different roles in this, which Whoa. is amazing. Wow. She did like a nutty professor. <laughs> the soundtrack is done by Tom York. And like, that's a good example where like, I really liked the music, but he sings vocals over the soundtrack. And I found that so distracting and just out of place. This is like, I've never can get into Radiohead, Radiohead and Tom York and the like, uh... I loved them in high school, but it, it really hasn't like grown on me. Yeah. I mean, then. there's a lot of shit that like, I didn't like that. I don't like now that I'll probably like be obsessed with like next year or something. So this might be it. But yeah, I don't see how that would be cool. It's just his vocals just felt really out of place. And I actually had the same problem with Sufjan Stevens' voice in Call Me By Your Name. Gotcha. It was like, 
oh yeah, that's a really pretty melody, but I don't know why I need to hear this like pop song in the middle of the story where it's like out of place and time. It just that kind of took me out of such it. Such a big selling point for that movie too, where it's like Sufjan, Sufjan Stevens, and I'm like, oh. And um, the guitars were very pretty. I just didn't need to hear him, you know. Yeah, I know. What you, I totally know what you mean. It was just so funny because like I didn't, I didn't know who he was, and then um, I brought one of my friends with me to see it, and she was like a big Sufjan Stevens fan. So when, when I that first song went to college, playing, she was like, oh, in like the mid two thousands, he was like a huge deal. Really? Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know about him until that movie. I was never a big fan. He drummed for a band called Danielson, the Danielson family, that I fucking loved back hmm. in the day. So I, I respect him for that. Cool. <laughs> but I, I never liked his solo stuff that much. But that's not even here or there. Like, it's not even that. Yeah. I don't think anybody's vocals would have worked in that situation. Like, it kind of reminds me of, like, cutting, like, a trailer for a movie or something. Like, to have, like, a full-blown pop song with lyrics and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, it just felt really distracting, especially since this is set in the past. And this is, like, a modern pop song, you know? Like, it just felt really kind of jarring. Wait, so the the film is not set in modern times? No, it's set like in the late 70s, the same time that the uh, first one was set. Really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Another thing that kind of bothered me is they had this like choppy frame rate. It's kind of hard to describe in words, but like if you can imagine like old music videos from like the 80s and 90s have that like sort of stilted frame rate where it looks like the camera's shuddering super slow. And <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It reminded me of like a Milli Vanilli music video or something. Oh, whoa. But at the same time, it's this really excessive film where like there's all this like coven of witches running this modern dance school and like Susie Banyan, who's played by Dakota Johnson in this version, she has all these oh. nightmares that are just like flashes of imagery. And all these like very carefully staged, uh, almost like still photograph tableaus and they're all really beautiful. And I really enjoyed like being overwhelmed by like how much thought and care went into the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were just like a couple sticking points that like ended up bugging me. So I, I didn't fully love it. I could see someone being able to get over those and like fully loving the film and not being distracted by the things I was distracted by. Yeah. But I could also see, someone being distracted by something else that didn't bother me at all. You know, like there's just so much on the screen that at a certain point you just sort of like pick and choose. Like, this is what I liked. This is what I didn't like. Cause it's not all one singular vision. It's like this sort of like sprawling self-indulgent mess. Yeah. Uh, which is good. It's like, I'm glad he did it. Uh, <laughs> but I wasn't fully on board. It sounds very interesting. Like, obviously, I mean, I've seen Suspiria like a bajillion times didn't catch the witch whisper, so <laughs> sounds like I need to watch it again. My dumbass. Maybe I'm hallucinating and it, but I'm pretty sure. You're probably right. There's so many things where, like, there's movies where I'm like, I know this movie. I've seen it so much, and then like something like that happens, and I'm like, wow. So I would really like to do like a cool like one like a double feature. Yeah, this one gets into it immediately. It's like the witches are all arguing about like how to run their coven and like how to move on their next like political move. Mm-hmm. in their future it's, i don't want to spoil like too much plot wise but i'm really curious to see it because i just feel like there's this like really interesting like witch culture like it's all it's very fashionable to be mm-hmm. witchy now yeah which is i think it's fun yeah it's cool um, i mean you go to forever 21 and there's like witch shit <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean and like it's this huge like just this culture that's like coming up you know everybody's got crystals on everything and you know sabrina just came out and that's like a very like intense like cool like witch television series that everybody's into and i like the concept of like practiced focused thought Uh and like the idea of like multiple people focusing on the same idea and like bringing that into reality through Mm -hmm. your like energy uh which i think is like what regular witchcraft is supposed to be like Mm -hmm. um and they do a good job of in this one uh, in Guadagnino's remake of relating that to like dance 
like relating the witchcraft and the dance to where uh, someone's moves and contortions while they're doing this beautiful dance is like causing this like opposite reaction in another person where they're contorting in this like really ugly, brutal way. Oh, that's and really cool. Th- and the movie does get really gory and bloody and just over the top in its violence in a way I respect it as well. Nice. So a lot to recommend and a couple distracting things that bugged me. Mm-hmm. If you didn't find something in the movie that you liked, then the problem's you because there's so much fucking shit on the screen. Like, yeah. Uh, so I definitely think it should be seen uh, and it's not doing well in the theater. So I think you should see it soon if you plan That's on it. It's so weird. It is weird. But it was kind of like the Neon Demon or like Mother or something. Like it didn't really have a chance and it's kind of insane that they thought that it could go to like multiplexes. Yeah. But they're all a lot of fun. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. And I'm glad it happened. <laughs> like, yes. I'm glad someone like deliberately fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I also saw Overlord yesterday. Uh, Overlord is a war movie set in like Nazi Germany. And it's about this like plane going behind enemy lines and they get shot down in, uh, I think German occupied France. Uh, and there's this local church the Nazis have taken over and they're supposed to blow up the tower uh, and they get inside and they find out that the Nazis are experimenting on dead bodies and reanimating them uh, into these like grotesque monsters. Uh, I fucking loved it. It's yeah. So good. <laughs> I, I saw the preview for it when I went to see that movie um, searching. Yeah. Where it was so funny because I saw searching in like the what is it? Whatever that cinema is like Dolby Digital where like, oh, the, yeah, it's, like the seats loud. shake and shit. Yeah. And that movie like the. It was such a weird movie to see that in, but the um, it was the trailers that like really got me going, and that was one of the trailers where I was like, "Holy shit, this uh, like looks amazing." Yeah, that's another one that's not doing well in the theater, which I think is kind of weird because it's more of like a crowd pleaser. What the fuck's like, doing well horror. in the theaters now? Like stupid uh, shit. Bohemian Rhapsody <laughs> oh, and uh, I would like to see the that. Grinch. Um, <laughs> like shit, I don't care about. Uh, <laughs> this one is not particularly like nuanced, like in a like messaging. It's pretty much like Nazis are gross and evil and they need to be destroyed, which feels so good, though, like in the political climate the times right now. we're yeah. living in. Yeah, that's really I think like recently at some metal band from Florida was oh, playing a show that. at um, Southport Music Hall, which is like right down the street. Yeah. And somebody made these signs with swastika saying like whites only like some kind, I don't know, like trying to make it look like it was like a metal like Aryan celebration or something but like apparently the music hall had no idea like the band was like holy shit like what is this like it's super weird yeah Southport is interesting uh-huh. like a lot of black metal comes there oh, like weird for like Nor- like a Norwegian black metal band There's was a there a few Nazi days ago stuff hanging out in there yeah <laughs> which um, I didn't realize how serious that stuff was until I don't know I guess like maybe about 10 years ago I was like googling some band i was like oh that's like an actual nazi band like i didn't know that <laughs> but they had names like gestapo 666 and you it seems like it'd be like a shock humor kind of thing but then you realize like oh they're fucking serious about it that's it's so weird really disgusting so maybe it's one of those things like i feel like the band itself was probably like not into that kind of stuff but i think like a lot of people that are into like metal unfortunately as like a metal lover myself are like very like very far right and very like aggressive and very white it's very very weird i know in the local metal scene it's very the other way you know like that whole like thou contingent it's like very anarcho feminist yeah eco friendly like radical politics i guess it all depends there's always gonna be a bunch of weirdos out there gonna try to make things fit their agenda yeah 
And I think that's what it is. Honestly. Well, I guess the New Orleans scene is set between split between that Dow crowd and um, what's the band from the with Phil Anselmo in it? Oh, Pantera. Yeah, like that crew is definitely like more hard right, like gross. Yeah, because yeah. they're older and yeah, I know. I think it's it's one of those. It's, it's very just interesting. Well, Overlord um, does not <laughs> uh, waste any words. Like the first scene is basically like someone being like, "Nazis are evil sons of bitches or rotten sons of bitches." And we're going to go in there and kill as many of them as we can and nice take out this like one church location. And it mixes that with uh, the sort of reanimator style of zombie media where it's not Romero zombies where they're just like walking around like brains. It's more of these like reanimated corpses with this like evil science serum that oh, the I Nazis that. are working on. And they're like these gross contorted monstrosities and like there's all this evil gooey bags of like human parts that are kept alive against their will and like whoa yeah it's really nasty and fun (laughs) and it just feels good and i think like three of the main people are like a black guy um a jewish man and a uh and a woman who's been like sort of subject to uh like a little french woman Mm -hmm. who's like subject to the nazis like occupation uh in like gross ways as well and it's really fun to just see them like kick nazis in the face and shoot them and stuff like (laughs) it's like a really cathartic fun B movie sounds like a very like stress relieving film. It's a really good <laughs> schlocky experience. Cool, yeah, and it feels a little bit like a video game too. Like they're like working their way through it these like sounds individual like challenges. a video game. Yeah, like just the name of it, like Overlord. Yeah, sounds like something you would buy and throw in your Xbox. Apparently, there's this game Wolfenstein that's like similar, but really, I don't really that sounds play, cool. I don't play games, so I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I, every time like I try to get into like a cool new game, I'm like, huh, I think Spyro the Dragon's more fun right now, so I'll play that. <laughs> There's one game I released get into on like NES that. in the 80s called uh, Balloon Fight. It's the only game I've ever been addicted to. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. So if they ever make a Balloon Fight movie, I'm there. You're like, are you there for it? Yeah. One more, though. I, yeah. This morning I saw The Maltese Falcon mm-hmm. uh, from 1941. You know, it's like one of those movies that you just know the title it's got Humphrey Bogart in it. I feel like my grandpa watches that kind of, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. a pawpaw movie. Yeah. Like Turner classic <laughs> movies. Yes. It's noted as like the first major film noir. So like the first one done by a big studio instead of like those little B pictures mm-hmm. from poverty row. Uh, it's one of the first big examples of like a MacGuffin. Cause they're chasing this like Falcon figure that is worth a lot of money. And everyone's like, scheming to screw each other over to steal this like falcon statue and it turns out the statue doesn't really matter it's kind of like an item to like hang off all the uh dialogue off of i fucking loved it though oh, cool. <laughs> it was so good <laughs> wow I, I didn't expect it to turn the way you were talking you're gonna <laughs> yeah. be like yeah it was a cool movie and whoa you're very passionate about this right now <laughs> this is this is selling it this is like the uh pretania classic movie series so, like i every, love when they do that yeah every sunday and wednesday at 10 god bless them and it's really good to go there because you take for granted a lot of these like classic movie titles. Like I almost had felt like I'd seen this film without seeing it, you know? Yeah. Um, but it is so funny. Like Humphrey Bogart has this machine, this like machine gun style of delivering dialogue, which is every line that comes out of his mouth is this really dark joke about like how the cops are out to get him and like everyone's a liar. And do you remember that? It was like a cartoon series where there was this Humphrey Bogart cartoon and he like had these huge, big droopy eyes and big lips and was always like smoking. No, I don't remember that. I'll send you some videos. But he is such like just a cool actor and just like 
I feel like just him himself is like his own character. Yeah, I would definitely like love to like delve into like his stuff a little more because like he's like I've seen his stuff like here and there, but I never like really focused on him. Mm-hmm. So I think that this be a is fun a great project. Humphrey Bogart like showcase. Cool. Uh, it's also got Peter Lorre uh, mm. from like M and stuff, and he also is featured in a lot of Looney Tunes uh, cartoons as well. Cool. Um, and he is also really good in this. He plays this like sorrowful pervert, which in the book version of the story, he was like explicitly homosexual. Oh. Um, but because of the Hayes code, they couldn't like make that explicit in the movie version, mm-hmm. but he's introduced like kind of almost filleting his like umbrella that he's carrying. Like he's like playing with it around his mouth Whoa. and he's like fussy about his clothes. So they're still like hinting at it, but really just what comes through is like how fucking weird of a screen presence he is. And it makes sense that he's, like, in a lot of horror movies. Yeah. But here watching him play this, like, international thief that's, like, got this sort of, like, hurt puppy eyes uh, <laughs> and, like, this weird sexual energy. Like, Peter Laurie is so great in this film. Cool. And Humphrey Bogart's doing the whole anti stinker, like, smirking at, like, how genius his own <laughs> dialogue is. What kind of accent is it that he has? Is that, like, like a New York accent or something? Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, the hey. Like the whole yeah. sweetie. <laughs> this like, one's set in uh, San Francisco, but that accent definitely feels, yeah, feels East like Coast. East Coast, yeah, okay. It also just sounds like old movie, you know, because yeah, he like the old movie accent. Yeah, <laughs> and the dialogue is so overwritten and like packed with like one-liners and just like dark humor and because he delivers it so fast, you like almost laugh like a beat later. Like he's sort of like realized what he's implying. Like after he's already moved on to the next thing, so I feel like I could already watch the Maltese Falcon a second time, like and get more out of it. But yeah, anyway, if you've taken that one for granted and you're like, Oh, I, I'm already familiar with it. What could it really tell me? Watch it. It's very funny and very weird. Cool. Well, today is our last episode that you're going to be hosting until we do our like top films of the year episode. Yeah. Which I am looking forward to because I feel like I've been more on my game of like current films this year than like any other year. Awesome. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. I still have a lot more to watch and I've already watched a whole bunch. So yeah. Like, yeah. Like wow, this year was just so beautiful for movies. Yeah. A lot of cool shit came out. I feel like the more you watch, the more you feel that way anyway. Like if you only see like 12 yeah. movies, you're like, ah, there's some good stuff. Yeah. But- and I've been branching out more. Like usually I'm like, oh, what's the cool horror movie coming out this year? And mm-hmm. I feel like this year I've watched a lot more than that. So we're going to wrap up the Britney episodes, building off the theme of it being our 69th episode. (laughs) So the theme was sex. Yes. And we talked about everyone's favorite part of sex, which is pregnancy. Yes. (laughs) And having children. (laughs) Uh, And another, uh, (laughs) another like unintentional theme was just that all these movies are very hard to find. And we'll talk about how annoying that was as we go along as well. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Uh, So obscure pregnancy movies is kind of the yeah theme of it's the just episode. it's super sexy and super mysterious and children are crying and annoying everyone exactly so it's a great celebration of the 69th episode <laughs> exactly james and i used to joke that uh on episode 69 we were just gonna have sex and record it <laughs> <laughs> i guess that didn't work out uh, or like some kind of like like lizards having sex and like putting like the microphone like underneath them It'd be like an asmr episode uh, <laughs> i just found out what that is oh no and there's this woman who like like eats pickles oh, and just like slurps them and crunches them and i'm obsessed with her there's a lot of pickle eating in the pregnancy movies we watch too whoa yeah <laughs> it's all go. very appropriate yeah um and all that's coming up to you right, right now, now.
Once upon a time, there was an ordinary man and woman who couldn't have a baby, so they had to invent one. It was the most unusual baby. And now it's time for our regular Movie of the Minute segment. This is where hosts of the show bounce back and forth recommending films to each other. And it was Brittany's turn to pick the movie this time. What did we watch? Well, considering that the theme of this episode revolves around pregnancy, I thought about one of the weirdest babies in film. Um, and his name is Little O'Tick. So the movie that I chose um, for us to, well, for Brandon to watch is Little O'Tick, also known as Otisonic. Um, and it's this film that came out in 2000. And there was like just weird YouTube clips of it kind of circulating um, the internet. And I just remember looking and being like, wow, that looks really fucking weird. And then I remember being like, what is this from? And oh my God, it's from a movie. I need to find this movie. And I think I got it from like the library or something and just fucking fell in love with it. It's really hard to find now. Like, yeah. So that's like another like, yeah, another theme of this whole fucking episode is like hard to find movies, which is so surprising because this is like, honestly, when you think of like Czech movies, I think this is one of the more prominent titles that comes up because it's recent and it it had like national, um, sorry, international acclaim. So why the fuck is it so hard to find? Well, no local library systems had it. We need to change that. I have at least <laughs> three memberships to those. <laughs> yeah, because I like I have Jefferson Jefferson Parish and Orleans Parish, and I yeah, like. Yeah, and then CC works for the um, Tulane Library. Gotcha. Ugh. And then no the only way to watch it video on demand is on the filmmaker's website, mm-hmm. which is two hundred and fifty dollars because he's raising funds for his next movie because oh. of our terrible independent film climate right now. Uh, so you pay $250 and you have access to all his movies. Okay. That's the only way it was available that way. I think DVDs were like over 50 bucks because it's out of print. Yeah. Uh, and then we eventually found it on archive.org, uh, which Thank is like a free um, public domain website uploaded by the filmmaker himself, but in the Spanish language so that <laughs> the English language subtitles are sort of superseded by the Spanish language subtitles which are foregrounded over on top of them. Right. So you kind of have to like read around the Spanish to read the English subtitles. But we eventually did find it. It was just like a little effort. Yeah. Which is it's just so crazy. Um, so hopefully that changes. Maybe um, we can influence one of the libraries to add that to their collection because I think it's a very important movie. Um, but it was directed, I cannot pronounce his last name, but it's Jan Svankmeyer or something. Svankmeyer. It's the guy who directed the Alice stop motion Alice movie. and like a Faust. Like he, he's known for these very like surreal um, stop motion animation films. Um, and also he, his wife assisted him with directing and creating Little Tick, and her name is Ava. Um, and she is a famous surrealist artist. So they're just a surrealist couple that are just really into doing weird shit. And I love it. So yeah, A Little Tick is about a couple who cannot produce a child. And it's not like stated, but it's implied that it's like there's medical reasons. So um, of course, you know, like wife is very depressed and like husband, like he just like sees babies everywhere. The film starts out where they are at like a fertility clinic or like an, an OBGYN or something. And he looks out the window and there are people in like a line to get fish. And then it just turns into like a bunch of women. And then like there's like a scoop that scoops up babies out the water like, oh, like fish. Like an aquarium, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they wrap them up in like newspaper and like 
ship him off. It's or like later the wife's cutting a watermelon and the watermelon <laughs> opens and there's like, like a, a baby, baby inside. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just like there's babies everywhere. So um, just kind of showing like how like this is like the biggest thing um, on their mind. They're constantly thinking about it. It's like haunting them pretty much. And it's kind of take their mind off of things. They go with their neighbors on this vacation out in the country where they decide to purchase a house out in the country. And while the husband is like out doing some yard work on this home, he finds a tree stump that kind of looks like a kid, like a weird, ugly kid. And he like varnishes it and like yeah. clips it until it looks even more like a kid. Yeah. It's got like a little mouth and like a little penis. Yeah. And, like-, like that baby, the wooden baby weenie just really <laughs> is insane. Um, so yeah, so yeah, like you said, he, he gets it, varnishes it, cleans it all, like, uh, makes it pretty, presents it to his wife and is like, hey, look what I have. And she like takes to it like it's a real child and he gets initially freaked out and I'm like, dude, what were you trying to do with that? Like, just be like, hey, we can't have a baby. He, he, he. Here's a prank. (laughs) Yeah. Like it was like a weird prank gone wrong. So she takes to it and she starts like powdering its little wooden bottom and like washing its weird wooden weenie. Um, nursing it nursing it she starts clipping his like nails which is just like a bunch of like you know twigs and roots dresses him up in like a baptism uniform so they name it otik and they start to treat it like a real baby but it would be weird for them to bring that back to the city being as if she's not pregnant and just bring this big tree stump baby and start treating it like a human so they leave it at their house in the country so they put it in this like cabinet and then when they come, they go to the city and then on the weekends they like come back to the country and then they start doing baby stuff with Otik. Well, the wife gets really into it and she starts to like simulate a pregnancy. Like she makes like pillows for each month of pregnancy to like shove under her dresses and her clothes so that she can like give birth and then that way they can bring Otik home. So it's not, that way it won't be weird when they bring the tree stump baby home because she's obviously pregnant, so. And she has a lot of nosy neighbors who would notice. Nosy neighbors, especially this like awesome little girl. I guess like she's probably like maybe 12, between 10 and 12 maybe. I'm terrible with children. Yeah, they all look the same (laughs) till they're like 18, I think. Yeah. Um, So she's like, but she's like younger and she's like curious and she's like reading books on sex and stuff. She's just as obsessed with pregnancy as the wife. Like she like puts like the dodgeball under her belly under her shirt to pretend (laughs) that she's pregnant you know yeah like she's like she's at that age where she's starting to question like where do babies come from what are the birds and the bees so she's like really infatuated with this couple situation and she suspects something and uh, well she becomes even more obsessed when they bring the baby home or when she has the baby quote unquote so um he basically becomes real um this tree stump baby he he has like teeth he starts like eating her hair there's like a little eyeball that comes out of his mouth. This is like 45 minutes into the movie. He like comes alive. Yeah. 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 And it's amazing. Yeah. And he starts to come to life <laughs> and he has this like insatiable appetite. Like he is never satisfied. Um, they are like cooking like pots of like carrot fucking stew and just like sp- throwing porridge in his mouth. And he's like constantly hungry. And it gets to the point where he eats the cat, the family cat, which was like probably the most dist- disturbing part in this movie, considering all the other weird shit that happens for me. Because this cat, like, they didn't have a baby. So the cat kind of, like, um, filled that void for them. And then the minute, like, Otik came into their lives, like, the wife treated that cat so shitty. Like, the cat would come up and be like, hey, pay attention to me. Love me. And she'd, like, grab it and, like, throw throw it it across the room. 
And <laughs> the poor fucking thing gets eaten alive by Otik. So that bothers you more than when Otik was eating people. Yes. Which is what he graduated. I was just very upset because I'm like, this, oh, this poor little innocent animal that can't defend itself. Um, so the little girl starts to, you know, she's peeking and she like realizes that it's a tree stump because I don't know if this is a cultural thing, but um, what she, what the wife does, she puts Otik in a pram and like covers up his little tree stump feet with like socks and stuff. And she'll leave him outside of the grocery store and then go in the grocery store and shop. So the little girl like goes up to the pram and like peeks under and like sees it's like weird wooden feet. And then she runs home and reads her fairy tale um, book. And there's a fairy tale called Otasonic about what's happening. Um, Baron couple um, has a tree stump baby that comes to life and just starts fucking killing everything and eating them and this alive. movie is like a modern telling of that exact fairy tale which exactly. is like a real fairy tale exactly yeah so yeah so she so little girl makes that connection but yeah i just thought that was so weird like i don't know if like people do that in general i could not imagine like going into a grocery store and like leaving your baby in a stroller different times i, I guess. mean i would probably do that best why i'm not a mother <laughs> <laughs> remember this great laurie anderson bit about being in france and like women walking their prams around mm -hmm. and uh one of the things they do is they test traffic with the pram so like if they want to cross the street they kind of just like move the uh prams closer to traffic until like a car finally stops and then they cross the street which yeah. is like a really weird concept always gotta watch out for yourself first yeah <laughs> test it with your baby yeah get, you so can always funny. make another one you know um <laughs> So, um, so yeah, then the, the, the movie then jumps in like, and this is like, you're saying like, this is like an, this movie is like over two hours long. So like an hour into the movie is whenever like Otisonic, the fairy tale really starts to become a real thing. Otik is like, starts eating human beings, um, growing and they don't know how to like resolve this issue anyway. So this is a very crazy film, but it's beautiful in so many different ways and it's just interesting. And I, the thing that. I love about it is it doesn't feel like it's made in 2000. It really has the feel of those like cool, like um, independent, like surrealist it's European like films. Exactly. Like it does not feel like it's the year 2000. So what did you think about this movie? <laughs> uh, I loved it. Yeah. Like, no cool. caveats. Like there's nothing like, I'd be like, I loved it, but no, I think this is like, pretty safe to say the best movie we're going to talk about this episode like by far mm, yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah one thing we haven't mentioned yet is that the way otik comes to life is mm -hmm. through stop motion animation which yes. is uh where the director is sort of like usually does his work but it's like a mixture usually it's like tangible objects moving across like it's like a mixture of live action and stop motion yeah which is a very traditional thing like you know king kong and uh the lost world from the 20s there's this artist named Joseph Cornell, who's mm -hmm. like a surrealist artist who does these like shadow boxes that are always like found objects. It's like a little tuft of hair and like pieces of wood and like bone and stuff. Yeah. And he like arranges them in this uh, very interesting way. And that's kind of like what this guy's movies feel like. It uh -huh. feels like these like found tangible, like old objects. Yeah. And the animation is just really beautiful watching this like thing come to life. And then it's just so gross. Like it yeah. eats hair, it eats people, it leaves behind these like just like chewed up bones and like mush yeah it looks like the like when you go to the butcher shop yeah to get like fresh meat and like just there's still like meat on the bones and stuff it's all pink yeah uh there's like <laughs> a you know kind of dark humor to it in like the uh, little shop of horrors kind of way where like yeah the family is like getting more and more frantic trying to feed this thing that keeps growing uh you know trying to like trick bad people into like coming in the apartment and getting eaten to like satiate yeah, its like appetite the apartment like child 
um, molester. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is, like, the creepiest. Like, there's a part where the little girl, I mean, she's probably, like, 12, and he's, like, probably not some 90-year-old man. And he, like, puts his glasses on and then, like, looks at her butt. And then the, there's, like, a stop motion thing that happens with his pants. It's like a hand is reaching hand out, out of his, like crotch. his crotch. Yeah. Yeah. Which is almost, like, from her point of view, yeah. like, how she sees the world. Which really works for this kind of, like, fairy tale kind of, mm-hmm. like, yeah. territory. Um, there's also really good jokes. That girl's father is kind of, like, a piece of shit who just, like, drinks and watches TV all day. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's always watching these weird-ass commercials. <laughs> they're all, like, stop great. motion. It's all for, like, gross food and, like, canned Or that weird, nonsense. like, ironing thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And those are all stop motion <laughs> and, like, really funny, like, dark humor. And I just really like that, like, modern, dark, fairy tale sense of humor. Yeah. It's not only beautiful to look at, but it's, like, just really upsetting, but in, like, a humorous way. Yeah. Uh, also, one of my favorite categories of movies is, like, the reason you should not have kids. So, like, movies like Eraserhead or, like, The Babadook. <laughs> What's another good one? Um, I don't know. Maybe, like, The Bad Seed or yeah, something. Yeah, totally. The Bad Seed, like, yeah, never, ever going to have a fucking kid because it's going to be an asshole like Rhoda Pinmar, <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, like the, that whole like idea of like parental anxiety, like you're responsible for this thing and you love it, but it's like evil and destroying right. everything around and that, you. Exactly. Like there's like, that's a huge fear where it's like, what do you do whenever your kid is like a piece of shit criminal? You know what I mean? Like, what do you do when your kid grows up to like kill people and stuff? Like, how do you do that? Um, or how do you deal with that as a parent? And I think this like really prides on that fear because like Otik starts fucking like swallowing people whole and then they're like, God, this is a monster, but they just can't bring themselves to fucking kill it. Yeah. I really like whenever Otik, like, he eventually gets big, like, the size of, like, um, Was it, like, know. Snuffleupagus or something? Yeah. Like, or big Gooby. Bird? Or Gooby. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it's like, they don't really show him eating people, I don't think. They just kind of show the aftermath or the shadows. Like, there's a cool scene where a social worker comes in to check up on him, and behind closed doors, you, you just see this huge shadow, and it's obviously somebody in, like, an Otik costume, like, pushing her against the door, and you yeah. just see blood everywhere. Yeah. Like, it's stuff like that. It's just, it's really, really cool. I think maybe instead of Big Bird, I was thinking of Sweetums, you know, that, that Sesame Street character, or Muppets character. Oh, uh, the the tall... The really big, hairy one. With the underbite? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really cute, but, like, also, like, an evil thing that should not exist. And he laughs like a baby. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, he has, like, a baby voice, and, like, while he's killing people, it's like... <laughs> like, it's like a baby giggling and goo-goo-guying. That drove me crazy <laughs> and, yeah. like, made me really anxious. And I think that was kind of the point, was, yeah. like, wouldn't it be awful if you had this thing that was, like, making whiny baby noises at you all the time and demanding to be fed... But you were responsible for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the husband's like immediate thought when he first sees this like live tree root yeah. suckling at his wife's breast as he grabs an axe is going to chop it into pieces. Yeah. And she keeps like begging him with this like crazed look in her eyes like, right. please don't take this away from me. Uh, so he feels this other responsibility to her as well. And then on top of like the like, you know, regular horrors that like are real, like the baby's demanding all this stuff and causing all this havoc. The wife like wants to live through the actual discomforts of pregnancy too. Like she's making herself immobile with these like fake bellies and she like eats whipped cream and pickles. Like as if she has cravings, it's the most disgusting thing that makes her puke. Cause it's so gross. But then she's like, I have morning sickness. Isn't that cute? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. It's like even her, hu- her husband's like losing his mind and he like pulls her fake belly out from under her. And then she's like still smiling like, Oh, he, yeah. 
Like, she doesn't, like, comprehend that she's, like, not really pregnant. Yeah, you've heard the term, like, baby crazy before, but, like, this lady is baby crazy. She's very baby crazy. And the neighbor kid who's, like, nosy has the same deal, Mm -hmm. but in a different way. Like, it's not a hormonal thing with her. It's more just, like, a curiosity. Curiosity and, like, oh, I want to play with baby doll kind of thing. And she keeps asking her parents all these questions that her parents are, like, not at all interested in answering. So she's, like, investigating on her own. Especially her dad. Her dad's, like, oh, this is garbage and you're a pervert. If it's not vodka or TV, he's just not interested. <laughs> There's even a cool scene where they have, like, a lot of, like, soup and porridge. It's pretty much all they eat. Yeah. Um, And there's, like, nails in it. And there's, like, a cool stop motion yeah, piece what? with just, like, a bunch of, like, rusty nails in his soup. Yeah. I thought that was really neat. Yeah. And, I mean, that goes into, like, him being a surreal artist, too. Like, yeah, literally, that doesn't make any sense. But, like, you get, like, a better sense of the family. Like, them eating this, like, disgusting rusty nail porridge yeah. porridge uh, every night yeah very poor like just getting by and like trash and you know yeah it's like one of those things too where i'm just like when i watch that i'm like i could eat that stuff for the rest of my life like <laughs> i love potatoes yeah and i'm like how are they so thin <laughs> you know <laughs> well let me, let me ask you something like beyond the like pregnancy stuff yeah um you recently were into like checking out check art checking out checking out <laughs> a check art where does this fall in that like recent interest for you? It's so interesting because it, it's just we have so many directors and so many writers about movie, you know, for movies here in like the United States. But like when I went on, I went on a trip to Prague like a few months ago, and that was like a big thing too. Is just like there's this like Czech like you know puppetry and like stop motion animation and like surrealism are like pretty big things, and like all of their there's like not a lot of directors like there's not really a lot of Czech directors out there and a lot of it it's like you know oh this guy's son like it's like a what you dynasty like a dynasty almost yeah a lot of there's a lot of yawns the 60s was like a huge boom for them Mm -hmm. and like the only movie i know from that era is daisies but Mm -hmm. i know there's like a deeper um tradition there yeah and it's, it's like a lot of like just weird weird humor and just everything's very like artsy and like off the walls and it's got this like very specific like check flavor to it so yeah i think this like from the stuff that i've been seeing um now that i'm like delving into it this like kind of fits in with a lot of the films this like particular style where like we're saying like it's a 2000 film but it feels like it was like everything feels like it was like made in the same era <laughs> yeah, and that's like funny. the fairy tale aspect of it too mm-hmm. gives it like a timeless quality. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, really beautiful, darkly funny, just deeply weird stuff that taps into like all these parental anxieties about like being a new couple or like a couple who can't conceive and like just everything about pregnancy turned into this like fairy tale horror and this like beautiful art piece. Like, yeah. Really, really enjoyed this a lot. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad we finally have a chance to watch it. Especially considering our, our little theme for this episode. Yeah, and you know, in contrast with like the quality of movies that we're about to talk about, this was a nice break. Yeah. yeah, totally. It's just that men Men what? Oh, well. <sighs> Pathetic really. When it comes to pain, I mean, you should try being a woman sometime. It's a nightmare. Your body goes peculiar with your first period and it doesn't stop until menopause. It's a lifetime of leaking and swelling and spotting and smears, crippling cramps, raging hormones, yeasts. You know, and that's if everything's normal. 
I never wanted to be a woman. I'm just saying. Okay, and so for our future conversation, we're going to be talking about more pregnancy movies. Um, and this is also more movies that were, like, difficult to track down. Um, yes. The theme we settled on was uh, men who get pregnant. Because there is nothing hotter than a pregnant man. Oh, uh, just that big old belly. Big, like, <laughs> sweltering belly covered in fucking hair. Sore nipples. <laughs> yeah. Morning sick and complaining. Mm-hmm. Mm. I love watching men eat, like, pickles and ice cream. <laughs> While they, like, rub their stomach. Very specific fetish, but we did find yeah. a few movies that fit the theme. Totally. <laughs> we found, I think, five films, I would say. But because two of them were very hard to find, we gave up on them. It's insane. Like, who... Somebody said, films about pregnant men were hot, obviously. There's five of them that we know of. Right. And it's like some, like, I bet you there's someone who's like, let's make sure the public has no access to these <laughs> ever again. They're like kink shaming us. By yeah. Like and we're just trying unavailable. to find them. <laughs> well, it seems like they were split between the seventies and the nineties, which I guess were like two different feminist movements. So maybe like it's kind of correlating with that. I guess so. In the seventies, there were two movies we couldn't find. Uh, one was called The Broad Coalition. Yeah. Uh, which is just nowhere. Like I could not find any access to that. We just know it exists. Uh, the other one was a French film directed by Jacques Demy. You know, Agnes Varda's husband did mm-hmm. like Umbrellas of Cherbourg and um, Young Girls of Rochefort, really beautiful musical films. Mm-hmm. He did this movie called The Slightly Pregnant Man, which uh, starred Catherine Deneuve and Ooh. Uh, was this like romp about a man getting pregnant. That was pro- that's probably such a good movie. It probably is really fun. Yeah. Uh, I... Couldn't find it online. Mm-hmm. I did find it on YouTube in Italian, but without any subtitles. It's on Filmstruck, which is going out of business right now and is not enrolling new subscribers. That is like some of the saddest news I've heard recently because I had it for a few months and I was just so overwhelmed with it. Like, I loved it. That's how I, um, oh, I can't think of that movie, the name of it now, but um, that one with Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. Can you think of the name of it? Is it like track 49 or something like that? Track 89. Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. But yeah, it was just this fascinating movie. And there was, I had like this huge queue, but like, I was like, well, you know, it was like an extra, like, I think $12 a month or something. And I'm like, let me go ahead and put that on hold for now. And then now it's like, hey, we're getting rid of it. And the only way you can still have it till we get rid of it is if you've already been subscribed. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, it's just... I don't understand. Like every Criterion film was on there. Yeah. Like it was just. And a lot of that is on Canopy, which you get through Correct. free through your library. your library. But you know, it doesn't cover everything. Like no. this movie's not on Canopy and Filmstruck is still adding new titles every day. But let's say you wanted to pay like a month's fee just for the last few weeks before they pull the plug. Um, they're not letting new subscribers come in. So we couldn't watch this movie. Yeah. Neither of us have a current subscription. Damn it. So I ordered a DVD that was $14. Uh, so that we could watch it for this episode. And it arrived just in time that both of us conceivably could have watched it this weekend. Yeah. And it arrived at my doorstep and the wrong DVD was shipped to my house. What it was DVD like, did you get? Someone else's order. It was like some like really cheaply produced like fine film set with like a Tarkovsky movie and an Antonioni movie and like really bad prints of really yeah. good artsy movies. Weird. I wanted my pregnant comedy. <laughs> Damn it. Um, <laughs> well, I hope you get it. Do you think they'll get you the right order? I'm probably just going to return it and... You know, I'll watch it eventually. Okay. It was like a uh, frantic effort to get it ready for this this episode. It just did not happen. Okay. We did find one movie from the 70s that was available online, though. You know, Broad Coalition and uh, A Slightly Pregnant Man did not work out. But we did find 
this movie called Rabbit Test from 1978. God damn it. Directed by Joan Rivers. (laughs) Fucking movie. Super frustrating. This was probably the hardest movie I had to, at least within the last year, for me to like fucking sit through. Yeah. And, oh, <laughs> like, uh, there's so much. And I'm sure we're going we're gonna to dive more into it. But I like Joan Rivers. Um, she was, like, one of the first comedians that I got into as a kid. I bought this um, album at, um, like, a yard sale that our library was having. And it was one of her comedy albums. And on the back, it was a picture of the royal wedding. And she photoshopped herself into it holding a blender. <laughs> and it was, like, the funniest thing ever. But her humor gets to be very crass sometimes. And this was like seeing her humor at its worst being like blown up. Well, it's her only movie as a director. Thank God it's the only and last. And she was like a very important comedian for her willingness to like push boundaries and like be politically incorrect. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know. I can be as raunchy as the boys, you know? Exactly. Uh, and this feels like a stand-up comedian making a movie in that climate. Like, she just throws every joke she can at the screen trying to offend you. Uh, which, you know, 40 years later, the jokes where she's punching up work really well. And then when she's, like, making fun of immigrants who don't speak English or uh, yeah. she casts Billy Barty in blackface as, like, a ventriloquist doll. The worst. That's really horrible yeah. to watch. There's just, like, a lot of, like over-the-top offensive jokes that, like, land very terribly. And it's almost like pure Joan Rivers in that way. Like, Mm -hmm. there's a ton of, like, shticky one-liners, and some of them are very funny, but they're the rare exception because there's just so much just, like, trying to get a rise out of you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, In this movie, Billy Crystal is the man who gets pregnant. And this is the first movie he's ever been in. Yeah, he was, like, an improv comedian (laughs) that, like, this was, like, his big break, I guess. Poor Billy. Uh, this movie is only available on YouTube, by the way, in like this really bad quality. Uh, I could not find any other way to watch it. It's crazy. No, it's nuts. Uh, and probably for good reason, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really gross. <laughs> so Billy Agreed. Crystal plays this like English teacher for, you know, what do you call that? Naturalization classes. Yeah. So he has like all these immigrant students who don't speak English. Um, and he's like this nerd virgin. So... He makes fun of them a lot, which is, like, kind of dumb. And then he uh, ends up having sex with someone at, like, a USO veterans event hall. With, like, five people in it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, This lady, you know, takes charge and shows this virgin how to have sex by laying him down on a pinball table (laughs) and having her way with him. And unexplained, without any natural or unnatural explanation... He is the one that gets pregnant in this exchange. Yeah, and he makes a remark where he's like, "It's because I let her get on top." Yeah, <laughs> like that's just, the closest the movie gets to explaining it. Yeah, uh, I know. And then like he starts to develop like all the symptoms of being pregnant, and he disguises himself as um, a Hispanic guy, and goes to the gynecologist, and it's Paul it, Lind. Paul Lind as a gynecologist is fabulous. He has my f- favorite line in this whole movie. What is it? Uh, he's calling to his secretary because he spills like a sample from a patient onto his desk. Oh, yeah. And he's like, come in here. I spilled sperm all over my desk again. <laughs> oh, it's so good. So that was like, you can't go wrong with Paul Lind as a gynecologist. There are obviously a couple of things he says, like terms that I refuse to say, referencing Hispanic people that are like really hard to hear, especially in this time. I think especially in our political climate, even though it's like it's so hard to hear this shit. 
but yeah, um, I really like. I think his character might have been my favorite. Yeah, and not a Very lot of screen funny. time there. No, uh, Doris Roberts is also pretty good. Oh yes, I forgot Doris Roberts is his mother. She's pretty much playing her exact overbearing mother character from Everybody Loves Raymond, which mm-hmm. is like one of the only good aspects of that show. Ooh, you, you know what? And we one of our more, I guess, like I don't know what month it was where we watched The Honeymoon Killers. She's the overbearing friend. Uh, yeah, <laughs> she just that's likes right. to like take control of people's lives in movies. Yeah. <laughs> Neurotic. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, this one, like the sort of trajectory of it is that he gets a lot of fame and notoriety, even though he wants to be anonymous at first, he gets like all this attention from like, you know, these gypsy archetypes who like want to treat him as a religious figure. This That weird family. And it's like Roddy McDowell and old lady drag. Yeah. Um, it's just very, they eat like what are they eating like hamsters or something at dinner and oh man foreign people are so weird <laughs> like the whole joke is just like it's yeah that's, it's that's so the cheap joke, and yeah. it's just very strange uh and he ends up traveling the world and meeting with all these like political figures and mm-hmm. like getting all this media coverage yeah. and you know really easy payoffs uh for being famous for being the first pregnant man yeah. and the sort of lesson that he learns is like oh i should be Back with this girlfriend, not the one who got him pregnant, but this other girl who like accepts him and the his gypsy. baby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I should settle down and settle for love, which, you know, flimsy excuse to just hang a bunch of like Joan Rivers stand up one liners. We don't even get to see the damn baby. Yeah, really. Never delivers. I thought the delivery scene could have been cool. Another thing I thought about that made me laugh is he goes to, I don't know why he's there, but he's at like a church. And there's a baptism and this priest is like, has these two babies like dangling by their feet and he's just like dunking them in this water over and over again for like an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's an example of a joke that I thought was very funny. Yeah. But that joke's making fun of Catholics. I was raised Catholic. Yeah. I think it's hilarious. Exactly. So yeah. Like I thought that was like as a Catholic. Yeah. Very funny. But when they like, when it's like Billy Barty in blackface, like. There's nothing to laugh at there. I know. Yeah. I can't believe Billy Barty did that. Well, he was in so many movies. He would just do anything, I think. Yeah, anytime there was, like, a role for, like, a little person. Yeah. It's there really he was. Something I didn't realize before I watched this was what a rabbit test was, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that was real. So it's called the Friedman test, like, I guess the scientific term for it. And the misconception is that you take a woman's urine or blood and inject it into a rabbit. Uh, and if she's pregnant, the rabbit dies. That's not really what happens. They like inject a rabbit with a woman's urine and then we kill the rabbit and cut it open. And if its ovaries have enlarged since taking the injection, then the, then you're pregnant. Right. Uh, And it's the same sort of chemical that they're detecting there. That still determines like pregnancy tests now where you pee on a stick instead of killing an animal for it. God, could you imagine yeah, I don't even know. I, I thought that was like a an urban legend. And then like, no, yeah, like, real I Googled it yeah. and I was like, this is the saddest little story I ever heard. And it's kind of fucked up that that was like one of the most interesting parts of the movie to me. <laughs> it was just like, oh, the Freeman oh, test. That's a real cool. thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's even a part where like Paul Lynn has a rabbit in his office and it like falls like flat dead. But do you really have anything oh. else to say about this one? Like some good jokes <sighs> and a lot of offensive jokes that like are so deeply bitter that it's hard to like praise any of the stuff that works. Yeah. It, it, it just felt like, like you said, like it's like a, a stand up comedian trying to make a movie. Like there was a bunch of one liners and a lot of like fun references. Like, I think there's something where Paul Lynn talks about him being on a TV show and he's like, Oh, but God forbid you have like a co-host or something. And it's like, 
a show that he was a co-host on with Joan Rivers. Uh-huh. Like there's like little weird stuff like that where um, I mostly know him as like a game show personality. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like it's really hard to watch like the whole like the the immigrant class yeah. where it's like the whole time they're just like almost like infantile and they just because you can't speak English doesn't mean that, that you, means you're stupid. You can't function as a human being. Yeah. So that it was like that. Um, and then yeah, the blackface part was so fucking hard. That's to when watch. I was just like threw up my hands. And I was like, okay, I'm over this. Yeah. Like what's his face was um, had the ventral. Jimmy story. Walker. Yes, JJ. Yeah. JJ Dynamite. Cool. <laughs> I've seen him in so many bad movies. Like, I, haven't, I, feel- I haven't seen him in any movie. Except for, like, I was obsessed with good times growing up, so... The only one we That's talked about one, on here was directed by Screaming Mad George. It was, like, Ooh. this, like, who did the effects for society. Yeah. Um, it was this, like... The Shunting. Superhero movie called The Giver, and he was, like, some, like, thug in that movie. Oh, there's it was another movie very he was bad. in where he gets, like, abducted or something. There's some kind of sci-fi movie with him I remember hearing about. But anyways, His yeah. inclusion is not a sign of quality. No. <laughs> uh, if you want to watch it for him, don't watch it. Right. Cause it, yeah, but yeah, it's just, it's so crazy, but it's kind of refreshing to see how like, I mean, yes, shit like this still happens, but this would never fly in a modern day movie. You know, I feel like 10 years ago we had something similar that was like ironic hipster racism where like people say something racist and the joke is that it's racist or it's like Like South Park. Yeah, South Park and, I don't know, Sarah Silverman had, like, a blackface gag uh-huh. on, like, her show. And, like, the joke is, like, oh, this is incredibly offensive and terrible. But it's hard to differentiate, like, oh, Cartman is saying anti-Semitic things because, and that's the joke. Right. Versus, like, all these kids who grew up on it and think that anti-Semitism is okay because of Cartman. You exactly. Know? Yeah. Like, he was a shit, like, a shitty person as a character. But, like, some people don't get that, like... It's just you have, to be, you have to be careful with shit like that because the wrong person's going to pick up on it on the wrong way and run with it. And I think this is Joan Rivers' style, too. It's like, isn't that terrible that she said that? And, like, yeah, it is terrible, but it's also exhausting God, and, like, not I just, useful. I think one of, like, the last comedy shows that I saw that she did, that uh, it was, like, on YouTube or something because um, I was very into her comedy shows for a, like a few years ago because she had this great show called in the bed with joan where like she would go who's in the closet and like rupaul <laughs> would come out and like get in the bed with her and she'd interview him so she had like cool fun stuff like that but there's one where she like was like i was on an airplane i opened up the luggage compartment and Anne frank fell out like she would just oh, say God. weird shit like that randomly where you're like god i feel just- like rupaul would love rabbit test you know like oh, totally. yeah he loves that kind of crap totally yeah uh, and I will say, even though, like, I despise a lot of this movie, like, I love the poster so much. <laughs> With all the different, it was, like, different mo- rabbit-themed movies in the background. Oh, like, I didn't see that one. Oh, well, the poster I saw it was like hair, and it was like a uh, rabbit, like with jaws, like a jaws poster. Um, yeah. Well, the one I saw was Joan Rivers wearing this like sweater that said "director person" on it, <laughs> and she was pointing at Billy Crystal, and Billy Crystal has the pregnant belly, and the tagline really big is like, "Does anyone know where to buy maternity jockey shorts?" <laughs> like it's such a corny '70s like punchline. That's great. Which kind of sums up the whole yeah. movie. Yeah. Yes, you're very right. Do judge a book by its cover with this film. <laughs> um, so rest in peace, Joan. Glad you stuck to stand up. Yeah. Maybe some of the boundaries you pushed were better than some of the other boundaries exactly. you pushed. You were just trying. Yeah. Well, so we only found 
one movie to uh, cover that like 70s contingent. Uh, we did find two from the 90s, though. Yeah. One was from 1990, and it was a BBC production. Uh, there was a series called Series One on there, and it's kind of like their masterpiece theater thing where it's like, here's a feature-length drama that's like a one-off. Mm-hmm. So this one was called Frankenstein's Baby. It's about 70 minutes long. Uh, you can watch it on YouTube. And I think this one fits the... 69 theme of the episode more than anything else we've watched today because <laughs> when i was googling around trying to find like a replacement for um a slightly pregnant man yeah. uh, i found this one through a med- message board called mpreg which is definitely a fetish board for <laughs> people who have a fetish for pregnant men what? <laughs> yes <laughs> oh, hold on <laughs> I mean, I was just joking earlier. Nope, fetish. Uh, <gasps> Impreg. So, yeah, if you're, like, curious about this, like, male pregnancy Done. fetish. I'm writing it down right uh, Just the letter M, preg. Um, and <laughs> Sweet. It took me a little Googling to find the full-length movie because a lot of what's on YouTube is clips of, like, certain parts of the film that are, like, him, like, rubbing lotion on his belly or, like, him connected to his baby through an umbilical <laughs> oh, cord. Oh, getting off on it. Yeah, and the clip will be, like, Mpreg, uh, Frankenstein's baby, such and such. Um, <laughs> which I was like, oh, what's Mpreg? And then I looked it up and I found the full movie, but I found it, like, it's on YouTube, but it was through this, like, really, like, icky message board. <laughs> Not to kink shame people, but it was definitely, no. like, a surprise. Like, oh, this is a whole community. <laughs> and the movie itself... It's this, like, mostly, like, serious drama about, like, sex politics and, like, 90s feminism. But it's also reads and feels, like, the internal logic of it feels like amateur erotica. Like, the logic of, like, things happening against the character's will and against, like, logical explanation Mm. feels like when someone's writing, like, erotica. He had no control. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you could could plug this into, like, Chuck Tingle or, like, um, you know centaur porn or something like it's the same kind of like anti-logic oh, is chuck tingle like the raped got, by the t-rex yeah i got stuff. pounded in the butt by my own butt like that guy <laughs> i saw he did a really good one this weekend that was like um an asexual one where it was like my butt didn't get pounded by anything and that's okay <laughs> it was really beautiful uh, oh cool <laughs> what a great guy <laughs> legend i i can see because there's like the whole this whole movie like this man like didn't ask for any of it where it's like you know he gets someone impregnates him without him knowing and like yeah all this stuff starts happening and he's like god i hate this and i could see like yeah like that almost like that feederism mm-hmm. it makes me think of that where it's like oh you're gonna get so fat you're gonna get so fat that you won't be able to walk anymore well you ever see the movie feed cool no, is it about that? Yeah. Oh, fuck. It's really gross. I think it has the uh, cruel sister from Muriel's wedding that's like, you're terrible, Muriel. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. I need to, I've been I, like I think I own infatuated it. with feederism lately because there's a story about this woman who she was married to this guy who was a feeder. And she was like the feedy. And they had this like relationship. And she was like, you know, really, she was into it, too. And then he left her. Oh. And then she like literally is like over 700 pounds and like she cannot take care of herself and i'm like this is like the saddest shit she's like a mid-2000s ever. like torture porn kind of yeah. body horror thing but she is really into it cool. it's called feed um okay i'll look for the dvd if it's not online because it's in my stacks somewhere it <laughs> will do an episode of like feederism instead Done. of male pregnancy that's <laughs> we'll replace mpreg with that next year 
Um, oh my god. So yeah, the guy is impregnated against his will, and it's kind of like a learning a life lesson. Mm-hmm. It's about these two '90s like modern professionals, and they both have these careers that require them to travel a lot and be at the office a lot. Mm-hmm. And the man asks his lover, who's not even his wife, when are we gonna have a baby? Like we have to do this soon. We're not always gonna be within the like range for that to be healthy. Right. We have to like plan for it, and I think it should be now. And his girlfriend, his longtime girlfriend, is basically like, well, I have a career to think about, and I don't want to do that. So modern. He's like, I would have the bloody baby if I could. There's this little old lady with these giant glasses. She looks like an evil Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yes! Um, Her name is Dr. Ava Frankenstein, hence (laughs) the title, Frankenstein's Baby. Um, She drugs him, brings him to a lab, and with a crew of entirely women shoves this giant needle into his abdomen and impregnates him with a fertilized egg where we don't know where it came from, whose egg <laughs> it is. probably hers. It's probably, yeah, her baby. Cool. Hence the title again. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, it probably was. She probably froze him. Yeah. So there's like some eerie horror aspects of it mm-hmm. where it's like a body horror, like his body's changing with this baby moving inside of him and he doesn't know what's going on. Um, there's this Cronenbergian nightmare where he wakes up and he can see the baby connected to his body with this like ugly umbilical cord oh that was like very disturbing because this movie isn't like a disturbing film it almost feels like a lifetime movie that's and then all of a sudden there's like this gross ass and this might be ignorant of me but i think like umbilical cord shit is so icky yeah it's got a weird like purplish like (laughs) yeah i'm like oh like texture to it yeah um but yeah, there's like scenes of him walking through the park with a, a baby bump and people are like noticing and there's like this eerie horror music playing. Yeah. And like, uh, there's a scene where like a string quartet is playing chamber music like, very like vigorously yeah. and he can feel the baby moving inside him. And this is before he knows that he's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, what is that feeling? Like, it just like horrifies him. But like you said, most of the film is this like sort of lifetime drama um, about, you know, this couple sort of negotiating what it means to like... For your career to like carry a baby and like him learning this lesson about, you know, it's not as easy as just giving up your whole career path and like having a kid real quick. Exactly. Yeah. I kind of like that, that like flip as and like she kind of it's kind of like how, you know, he's like all baby crazy and um she like his girlfriend gets overwhelmed and she like just leaves him. And that happens so much. Yeah. With like pregnant women where a lot of times like they're you know male partner will like leave and abandon them and i'm like that was kind of cool how they did that it's kind of cool that they stick to the personal like that like it's a Mm -hmm. lot more specific like the other two movies we're talking about in this conversation it's a lot about like the fame and like the uncanny aspect of the like the first man to ever get pregnant and he's just like hey i'm pregnant (laughs) right in this version no one cares like people see him they're a little like oh what's going on with that guy oh you're just a fat guy yeah. But just in the belly. Or people even know him. Like, his, like, stomach's swelling, getting really big. He eventually breaks it to them that he's pregnant, and it doesn't become, like, a big media circus. It's, like, more about the personal, like, <laughs> right. drama. I liked that. Yeah. The only thing I would have to say, because I really did like this movie. I liked it way more than I thought I would. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, when you um, told me about, like, the whole DVD mix-up, you were like, well, here's this other movie about a pregnant man. It looks shitty, but we'll deal with it or something. And I'm like, cool. And I watched it, and I was like, oh, this is really good. I mean, it's way better than the Joan Rivers movie, totally, that's for sure. Totally, totally. And the only, like, unnecessary thing is that um, he has this, like, 
kind of affair with this woman in the office but it like doesn't impact anything so i'm like why did you throw that in there it's like an emotional affair like they don't actually have sex but they almost do yeah and then he like falls asleep because he's pregnant and tired he gets like all the pregnancy symptoms like overnight he eats pickles yeah eats a big gherkin uh that's the other than that like i thought like it was pleasant and i could you could totally tell it was like a tv movie it's got the tv movie feel to it and then you have this like dr ava frankenstein character this like evil ruth Bader ginsburg with the big glasses and everything i didn't even think about that uh she just kind of comes in and does this like (laughs) knowing nod to the audience a bunch of times (laughs) yes and i think we could spoil this because like why would anyone watch this anyway but uh (laughs) the ending of the movie is just her paul i guess his name's paul i don't remember but he's had yes paul he's had his baby everything worked out he reconciliated with his like lover Uh um and it's him at this like idyllic lake uh it's like this beautiful nature and like this sort of heavenly orchestra music's coming in and then there's like three other men who are like bouncing these babies on their lap in the same area and then uh dr ava frankenstein comes back up to the camera and nods knowingly at us (laughs) not saying anything uh that was great it's so weird (laughs) it's funny i love that the if there is like an evil person in this movie, it was a sweet old lady. Like she's like she's whenever she like puts the needle in to impregnate him, she has like this like weird little smirk. I loved it. But at the same time, she's the one teaching him the lesson about how sexist he's being without realizing it. And uh, his wife, I keep calling it his wife because they do eventually get married. Yeah. But, uh, she gives him this big long rant about like privilege and how like. Anything he wants just sort of falls on his lap. He doesn't have to think about it. Like, oh yeah, I love that rant where she was like, "You're eating food from like the soil that your your car's polluting because you have this like big vehicle." And, like, yeah, she kind of just goes off and she's like, "And here you go, you're pregnant." Yeah, you, you wanted a baby. baby and now you're pregnant. You have to work for it. it just sort of fell in your lap, it's just like another thing. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the Frankenstein character is like teaching him that same kind of like check your privilege lesson yeah but then she has moments that are like pure like horror movie evil (laughs) yeah um so i don't know the movie's like stuck between a romantic drama and like a horror comedy and it's really weirdly like against all logic and like totally oddly erotic (laughs) yeah like part of me is like on he, I keep thinking about the impreg thing. Do they have like any kind of fantasy about the man giving birth through his like pee hole? You would have to read it. Uh, I did not dig through the message boards. <laughs> okay. All I saw was a bunch of avatars of like m- men with like baby bumps. Um, nice. And I found the link. And probably like furries. Yeah, pregnant yeah, male furries. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, because there was like a thing where she kept like saying like, "Oh, obviously you're having a C-section, right?" Like, there was, like, that, oh, you're going to have a C-section, right? Kind of thing thrown yeah. around. I'm like, oh, God, somebody's probably like, no, he's not going to have a C-section. He's going to push out of his pee-pee hole. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm sure you could find an animated uh, GIF um, demonstrating what that would look like. But, yeah, the movie has, like, the logic of that. Like, there's, like, some kind of weird energy that feels like it's some, like, amateur erotica someone wrote in their, like, free time that, like, got out of hand and got, like, a movie deal. <laughs> <laughs> like um what would you call it the 50 shades lady that's exactly what happened with her. yeah and those books have the same like weird logic to it's them so as well weird. yeah i kind of want to watch those and twilight i've never seen anything oh we could in do that whole like universe. a huge like 50 shades just twilight binge it. extravaganza yeah it's that might be a double episode because I, I don't know if so. i can do it all at once two. yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're funny 
but he, I really want to watch some more of these like BBC One series movies because I like the style of it. Like it's very like calm, mm-hmm. I guess. Like it's just very like calm, kind of classy, um, real. I don't know. And I love movies that are like have like I love early nineties like fashion and like just that whole. It makes me feel like comfort and like very um, homey. I guess. Yeah, I mean I like a lot like of masterpiece it. theater stuff they yeah. put on. Um, and this feels like the same, like thoughtful, thematically like um, purposeful drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because it's from the '90s, like the logic of it feels a little like distant from where we are now. Yeah. And there's like kind of like a lifetime quality to it as yeah. well. Uh, I liked it. Yeah, I liked it a lot. It, it's it the most me. woke film I think on our list today for sure. I wouldn't say the next one's that bad though. And it I, isn't. I feel like it's pretty similar in a weird way. But uh, not as this one isn't as funny. This one's more dramatic. That is really weird, though, to me. Like, okay, let's get into it. The next one um, is Junior from 1994. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, yeah, like, the one that you probably thought of when, like, <laughs> what's a pregnant man movie? You think of Arnold Schwarzenegger being pregnant. <laughs> right. Oh, I bet you he is probably, like, a god on Impreg. Impreg. Like, no offense. Like, he looks super hot pregnant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah. when he puts on his, like, Felicity Huffman wig. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, and this is, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger in, like, handsome nerd mode. Yeah. Like, he plays, like, a super nerd in a couple of these, like, 90s comedies. And he like always twins. looks good with those glasses. Like, Twins wasn't that far from this one. Twins came earlier, but, also like, four Danny years DeVito. earlier. And they're also both Ivan Reitman directed. Oh, really? Uh, and Ivan Reitman also did Kindergarten Cop. So he has, like, three oh. Schwarzenegger comedies from yeah. the, this time. Cool. I think the weird thing about this movie in that trilogy is that it's the one with the least amount of like jokes. Twins, I think, is the funniest movie that Ivan Reitman made starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Love that movie. Even though Kindergarten Cop has some good one-liners, I think Twins is like really funny. Mm-hmm. And Junior has a funny premise. Like the premise of Twins is like, what if Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito were twins? It's so funny because one is so big and one's so little and their personalities are so different. Right. In this one, it's like, what if the little one got the big one pregnant? <laughs> it's such a weird concept. <laughs> <laughs> what can't they do together? <laughs> and the joke, it like starts and ends there. Like, it's about like the absurdity of the scenario. Right. But so much of the movie is played straight. Like, it feels like the same kind of romantic melodrama that you get in Frankenstein's baby. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. So Schwarzenegger is this like meaty super nerd uh, who <laughs> works for like a university. Um, and he has this research project with Danny DeVito who's like an OBGYN. What a nightmare. Yeah. What a weird casting decision there. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> like how is he not chomping a cigar during like gynecological exams? <laughs> uh, so uh, their project gets its funding pulled. Even though they've worked on this serum for fertility that's, like, almost ready. And Emma Thompson, who yeah. also plays an OBGYN in a Bridget Jones movie, right? In the most recent one. Yeah, in um, Bridget Jones' Baby. Yeah. Whoa. Isn't that kind of weird? Maybe this is where she learned her skills. Right. <laughs> she comes in as, like, this nutty professor type. Uh, she gets their research money for her own project. Like, all the funding that was pulled from them is given to her for her mm-hmm. new research. And she's, like, this bumbling fool who doesn't have her, like life together even though she's super smart yeah and is like an incredibly cool person like i just love emma thompson in this movie yeah they decide that they can't let the serum research go to waste so they steal one of her cryogenically frozen eggs which is her egg from her body which is so like made me so nervous where i'm like that's so (laughs) 
wrong. It's just wrong. Yeah. yeah. And he and they get called out on it eventually. Yeah. Yeah. And they impregnate Arnold Schwarzenegger to carry the baby with his <laughs> own sperm. <laughs> One of the like best like one liners in the movie, like as far as like a like a legit joke, was Danny DeVito looking at Schwarzenegger's sperm through a uh, microscope and being like, "Big load, strong swimmers." <laughs> Great job. <laughs> it's just like very serious about it. It's so weird. It's so like <laughs> if any man out there was meant to carry a child, I think it would be Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's a very he efficient has, body. Like, like childbearing hips, like I don't know, he just it works with him. <laughs> so I don't know if that went into like casting. <laughs> Uh, their concept or like their plan is that he's gonna carry the baby for a little while. Like and three then, months or something. Yeah, and then just prove that the serum can make anyone host a baby in their body, whether or not they have a womb or anything. And then they'll abort the pregnancy right. and then, uh, you know, get their funding back. The hormones that he's taking, which is almost like gender reassignment hormones, yeah, sort of like changes his mind on it. He starts the movie like hating babies and like being terrified. Yeah, of them. he has like a baby nightmare where he's like shopping or something, and there's just like babies everywhere, and he's like, Ooh. "More on baby nightmares later." Cool, cool, for All obvious right. reasons. <laughs> but the hormones change his mind, and he's like becomes very protective of the baby. He's like, "I want to keep it, and I want to bring it to term." He like hearing Arnold Schwarzenegger chant, "My body, my choice." <laughs> I'm like, they should play that at, like loudspeakers. Yeah, he delivers <laughs> at rallies. He delivers it like a action movie one liner, <laughs> like like he's in like Commando or something. Yeah, my body, my choice. That's like fuck yeah, Arnold. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the movie sort of acts out like a drama that way. Like yeah, Danny right. DeVito wants him to give out the baby because it makes sense for him to give out the baby. Right. Uh, Arnold wants to keep it, but he has to convince. Um, Emma Thompson, who he's falling in love with, that it's, like, a good thing. He feels remorseful that they stole something from her. Mm-hmm. But he wants her to, like, come around and, like, accept him and, like, start a family with him with this baby named Junior that's inside of his body. <laughs> Male or female? It's gonna be Junior. I have a weird relationship with this movie where sure. the more I watch it, <laughs> the more I become fond of it. Like, once you realize that... It's not really like a comedy where they're not trying to make you laugh every second. Like, it's more like this absurd, gross melodrama. Like, it's a really weirdly funny movie. Yeah. It, it feels like comfort food to me or something. Aw, yeah. I, those movies, like the ones you were talking about, like Twins, Kindergarten Cop, like they all have that feel for me. I don't know if it's like the time in my life that I watched those as like a kid. Maybe so. Saturday morning movies, eating cereal, watching, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger pregnant. Great way to wake up. <laughs> Yeah, like, even, like, the music in here, it reminded me a lot of, like, Home Alone, like, Dennis the Menace, like, that background music that's very, like, I don't know, upbeat and very 90s. It's like a farce. It's, like, reminding you, like, we're having fun here. This yeah, is like, a fun time. Bah, bah, bah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of cool. Something I do want to mention that I- I've seen this movie a few times, but watching it again, whenever um, Arnold is in the hospital and he has, like, the flowers and all these, like, gifts and stuff like that one of the gifts is a stuffed animal of the t-rex from we're back a dinosaur story weird and i was like holy shit and that movie came out like a year before this one so i was like that's pretty neat i wonder if ivan Reitman had a production credit on there or something i, I know i didn't get that far into it but yeah. i thought that was kind of cool i would love to have that myself <laughs> i love that. that we're back is such a great movie i think two of the weirder things that happen come around the time of like when he delivers the baby too like there's this sort of like utopian 
uh, mother's retreat for expectant moms oh, that he goes on in drag. Uh, he looks like Felicity Huffman. He has the the right with haircut. like yeah, like yeah. the forehead, like his whole like yeah demeanor is very Felicity. And he has very tender, loving sex with Emma Thompson in his like nine months pregnant state at that uh, at that <laughs> retreat. But it's not treated like a goofy joke. Like they just kind of like play it tender. It's really strange. Yeah. Um, also around that time, he has a nightmare uh, where he gives birth to the baby and it has his adult <laughs> face on it. Yeah. Which is a great image. Like <laughs> it's so good. It looks like there's a store called um, Fun Rockin' on Magazine Street, mm-hmm. and they have this like two-headed demon baby doll in the window, and it looks like that. It reminded me of Where's My Chippy from Tim and Eric. Oh yeah. Or uh, there's this. Um, <laughs> or that. Graphic from early Devo videos that's like uh, this turkey that they put the face of the first monkey we shot in a space on, and the monkey looks terrified. <laughs> <laughs> That also looks like Arnold's baby. I don't know. I have like warm, positive feelings of this movie. Yeah. Uh, it has a little bit of like the messaging of Frankenstein's baby as well, where yeah. like it's like men take all this stuff for granted and now they're like taking women's domain as well. Like it's sort of like this um, colonial thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that stuff maybe hasn't aged quite as well, especially since now. Like, our definitions of, like, what a man is is very different. Yeah. So, like, a pregnant man in 2018 is not that ridiculous, like, because a trans man could have a baby, like... That's true. So maybe that's why this, you know, genre kind of died 20 years ago. But I still like the idea of, like, using it as, like, a lesson for empathy uh, for these, like, macho dudes to, like... Sort of like, mm-hmm. oh, you take for granted all this, like, labor that goes into, like, a woman carrying your child to term. Here's what it would be like. And he gets, like, the morning sickness and the sore nipples and everything. Yeah. It kind of reminds me a little bit of um, that song by Ciara, where she's like, if I was, like, a boy in the music video, like, she's the guy and he's the lady. I'm Sexy. Like, yeah, totally. <laughs> I love her so much. But I'm like, yeah, you had it right. You and all these pregnant men. <laughs> Ciara. <laughs> I don't know. I really like the tenderness of Frankenstein's baby and Junior. Yeah, they were very, like, sweet versus, I mean, Robert Tess was just, like, a hodgepodge of fug. Um, But these were nice. And even, like, the media circus aspect of Junior, like, they're trying to prevent that from happening. Exactly. They're not, like, craving it, which was nice. And that's what happens in Rabbit Test is Billy Crystal, like, chases the fame and, like, the movie stops being about pregnancy-specific stuff and becomes more about, like, fame whoring, like, you know. Media but attention. This is sticking to the pregnancy. And to the like <laughs> relationships yes. evolving around the pregnancy. But yeah, I like both of these movies. Like, I don't love them the way I would say I love Little Otik. Like, yeah. Ugh, we need to get, find that on DVD. There's probably like all kinds of cool special features and shit. Um, I at least need to convince a library to check it out. Like, come on. I think so. I just would maybe keep in mind that these are like also anti-logic kind of like erotic stories that like got out of hand or something like (laughs) i like the erotic fiction aspect of it i think both frankenstein's baby and junior is such a good holiday like a film to watch during the holiday season with your family i can't help like right now i have this like fall candle burning with this beautiful like thanksgiving scent and i just can't like oh i just like i feel like oh like you watch junior you know, with your with your loved it's ones. It's a comforting While eating film. a great meal. Yeah. Like, it's just kind of... <laughs> I don't know if nice. Frankenstein's Baby is quite as comforting. That one's, like, more like, what am I watching? 
like it's like a weird curio yeah, watch that one by yourself yeah <laughs> don't tell your friends <laughs> if you want to have fun with it go have fun with it um but yeah i would I just want to say you know this this episode goes out to the impregs yeah this is your time i to can't shine. wait to discover more about you guys <laughs> i was surprised but delighted because i i really wanted to find a third movie to talk about today and the impreg community really pulled through with Frankenstein's baby. Always coming through. Yeah. It helped wash the taste of a uh, rabbit test on my mouth. <laughs> no, that's cool. Obviously. So at least we know of two other pregnant men movies out there that we can delve into. Oh yeah. There has it, to be more. Maybe, huh? maybe we'll have a future episode later where we're like pregnant men part two yeah. with 69 plus 69. Like maybe that. Uh, <laughs> 140 right write it down <laughs> i don't know and maybe if we get to that point we can like do pregnant men part two this is double double 69 pregnant spend, men part two i spent all my time watching and reading about movies i should not be expected to do math on the fly no, <laughs> like that's, I, that's yeah, very wrong whatever that number may be yeah. I, I don't fucking know <laughs> well okay so this is your last episode of the year do you yeah. have any like parting words for the uh swamp Flicks audience I mean, this left a good taste in my mouth. Yeah. At least I this episode. The recommendation of this... Junior as a holiday film is like, very, yeah. like <laughs> that's what I would leave you with. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I think this was a fun one. I don't know. I, I guess like I am in the mood to like watch more artistic films, I think. Like I think um, from august to october i'm just like trash horror trash horror yeah 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 and like now like just like the holiday season's coming so i'm like I, I look forward to the classics but then at the same time it makes me feel i don't know like, i feel artsy when the weather is cold so i just like hope to spend the rest of my year just kind of diving into like french films and other shit well french film fest is in february next year yeah and that's always great uh and i'll I, fuck with that i think we, early next year we should do a check movie episode yes because we talked about it um but Kind of like the movies today, like they're a little harder to find. So I got, I a got a, a couple of them came in. I ordered like three from uh, the Czech Republic, and I watched them, and they're pretty cool. There's like th- there is just like a different world. Like there's um just to th- at least throw this out there, like um what i heard about when i was over there talking with people about film they're like oh yara simmerman and i'm like what so yara simmerman is this like character that like the czech like all the the czechoslovakian people like made up and it's just this guy that like invented everything and does everything it's just like fictional character oh weird and they like have movies about him and it's yeah like just cool shit like that i keep finding like more and more stuff like as i go deeper into it i'm like this is weird and kind of cool or something yeah Yeah. and they all think it's so fucking funny they're like ah you're a simmerman oh you'll love it and i'm like okay this sounds crazy i mean the only ones i could name really are daisies alice and little otik little otik is the only one i knew of and i like love all three of those movies yeah so, they're yeah. great so i'm yeah definitely i think that'll be a fun thing to talk about the new year start the new year off yeah a little funky with that well james and i are gonna be doing another like trash episode next <laughs> in a couple of weeks so cool. <laughs> we're not gonna get classy quite yet but uh you know around december or january we'll start classing up the joint totally. <laughs> <laughs> uh in the meantime right now i'm posting a lot of uh reviews from new orleans film fest Mm -hmm. so like most of november what's going to be on the site is new orleans film fest related stuff so if you want to see some classy stuff i saw some artsy fartsy movies pig the movie i think uh pig film pig film shit yeah Yeah, pig film was really good the coolest i read that one um earlier and i think cc and i are going to be doing an episode 
recapping the whole fest soon. Oh, wow. Well. Yay. Um, and also, this podcast is now on Spotify. Oof. Uh, so if you listen to stuff on Spotify or like know people are like, I want to listen to new podcasts about movies, I use Spotify. Tell them about us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like everyone's been talking like Spotify, Spotify, I can't even say it, Spotify, Spotify. And like I recently got it like uh, two weeks ago. <laughs> I don't I, like, have it. Yeah, like I put the app on my phone and it's like, it's kind of nice. It's kind of like Pandora, I guess. But if you pay for it monthly, you get to like listen to full albums oh, and like cool. make your own playlist and stuff. So I totally would get it, but I don't have unlimited data. So it just seems kind of yeah. like I'm not useful thing me, for me. either yeah. it's like one of those things like i do it and i'm like well i'm regretting that right <laughs> <laughs> well if you are someone with unlimited data yeah. mr Moneybags, um give us a listen <laughs> on spotify and yeah, give me some money <laughs> yeah definitely send us some money we don't even have like we don't do patreon or anything but if someone gives us money we'll do something cool yeah whatever <laughs> just mail it to us <laughs> We're going to get a bunch of, like, cash from Impregs, like... <laughs> yes. Just keep keep up the good work. <laughs> you know what I really, like, need to fix uh, is we have ads on our site because I use the free version of WordPress. Nice. And I don't get any money from that at all. Oh, no. <laughs> so I need to, like, pay for the better version of WordPress and, like, remove all these ads that are just, like, clogging up the works that we don't even, oh. like, get money off of. I don't even, but... know. I don't even know how any of that works. So. Yeah. Me neither. That's I. I don't spend any time on. It's all learning experience. Right, but we're getting better a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. All things just keep getting better. Cry for the straight guy. That's the original jingle. That does sound familiar. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>